You're listening to the Hammersley Brothers Podcast. If you'd like to get started with three of our best tools, see the link in the show notes. They're free and video training is included. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week we're answering listeners' questions, so let's get started. I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I presume you're sat, sat beside the road somewhere in sunny England somewhere. I am. In the dark. And I was just saying that Mark, our, our um, podcast schedule and time of recording and you know the duration of the recording of the podcast is determined by your gym schedule, isn't it? And yeah. your, your personal trainer that you have booked at a certain yeah. time. I only have one personal training session a week and you choose uh, to do it in the morning. But uh, I can tell by the speed and tone and enthusiasm of your voice whether or not you want to go to your gym session or not. I mean, it sounds like you're really into the gym, but the reality is... It's the, I only, way I can, true. It's the only way I can go to the gym is if someone's chatting to me. But like, honestly, if I go on my own, I'm in there for 20 minutes, I'm like, God, if I, basically you just pay someone to talk to you. And that's it. You do it out. Do you talk like, to? Do you talk to him about your e-commerce strategies? To be honest, he's not. He's not that interested in e-commerce. Not interested in e-commerce. No. What? He's just. What do you talk to him in... about? Well, it's, you know, like you try and find common ground. He's like really into like UFC fighting, and I've never even seen a UFC fighting, so we kind of like can't really help him out with that. Um, so uh, he's an aspiring actor, as uh, as lots of personal trainers are. Um, so we can talk about we, we can talk about films. So that's that's pretty much it. But you know he's a young man, and I'm an if we could look at I look at him and I think well it wasn't that, that long ago when I was at your age. He looks at me and he thinks I'm you know like a different uh, different species. That, that's the problem. But he doesn't realise that he'll he'll be he'll be me in a, in a few years and it'll be very different. Um, anyway, the podcast. Anyway. Today, we, the um the podcast today we asked uh, on the Facebook group people to ask some questions and if you've got some questions that we're going to answer um some of them aren't very easy so we might ignore them but some of them are quite good it's like someone someone asked uh, a question who was it let's see where it was uh yeah Alex uh, Angel Bencher asked what the weather was like which is is great we good it's, at that question yeah it's wet dark absolutely glorious here. It's, it's so hot that I've had to shut the curtain so I can actually see my screen. In the, Do you know what? That... Actually, we actually, I actually had a serious conversation about the weather today in an e-commerce perspective. Because in the UK at the moment, it has rained so much in the last couple of months that it's really affected um, certain businesses. So, so and he, he, the guy in the office today said, oh, do you know what? I haven't been able to play golf for like two months now because the, mm. it's the, the golf courses at Warslog can't play. Yeah. And obviously we, we've got, we've got quite a few businesses that work in and around golf. Um, and, um, you know, of course it's going to affect the business massively yeah. and not just golf. Yeah. I mean, any, anyone who, you know, any business that signs up, people go outside, the weather's been so miserable mm. in the UK. I mean, obviously, if it's coats, raincoats, maybe doing well, wellies, mm. and then it needs, needs a little bit of nice weather, really, really difficult. So it does affect yeah. it. So we're not just obsessed with the weather. 
Weather does, yeah, it does make, it. to be honest, like expected weather doesn't seem to make much difference to the sales when it's expected, but unexpected weather. So unexpected heat wave in the UK early in the year or an unexpected rainfall in the middle of the summer, you know, like it, it those, those are the times when you can get caught out. And obviously we grew up in bakeries and that had a big effect on forecasting of how much food you want because it was a rainy day people didn't come out to the bakeries and we'd end up with lots of bread left over um and so yeah you can see the weather play out on a physical store and obviously it's playing out on an online store as well but we, we, we're not not as aware of it sometimes as, as as when we've got a physical store um mm. i wanted to start with a little bit of commentary on the, the black friday and how i see it this year where we are because i know we're right in the middle of it and we're just about to come before the black friday weekend but i think that because pretty much most a lot of people have gone early um you, you can kind of see see where we are and my commentary on black friday is that um it seems like a lot of the times in the past black friday has been this kind of gift that gives and it's kind of like being like oh suddenly just magic magic wand and sales kind of came in it feels like this year for the first time in a long time for black friday kind of month having to work a lot harder to get the sales it's not as it, it feels as, as a bit more friction there and it feels like that because you can see the level of discounting this year has been a lot higher before black friday that the if you imagine a, a bow and arrow um going into black friday last year the bow and arrow was pulled f- uh, completely far back because people hadn't discounted so it was kind of like all that potential energy of all those people that you know all wanting to, to buy but a lot of brands I've used discounting this year to kind of try and stay on top of their targets and things like that. So there's there's less of a there's less of a kind of like this is new, this is a, this is a good deal, and a lot of brands can't you know can't pull out a, a an amazing deal out the hat. It's not like their margins magically change for Black Friday. So you know a lot of the time the discount that they were forced to you know discount to maybe a couple of months ago is probably not going to be that much different to Black Friday. And I think that that's what's been seen in the market so mm. you know on one of our e-commerce stores you know last year we've 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 already probably um done more than well we've done more than double already we haven't hit black Black friday but i was expecting to do a lot more so i think i think it was it we did about 150 last year in, in startup year and i was expecting to do 400 and i think we'll We'll probably end up doing just over three hundred thousand, and I yeah. and so you know that's interesting because if if you look at the the reason I thought that is because I looked at the customers recruited year on year and I was like well the customers recruited is one of my go to numbers to see how effective Black Friday will be or the Christmas season will be, and it's um you know that we we would have expected to do easily do a lot more and I think that the other thing that's happened is that so one of our e-commerce brands sells on Facebook and doesn't have anything to do with Black Friday and we don't do Black Friday on it. It's just not relevant for that for that for that business. And we can't sell on Facebook at the moment and get a reasonable ROAS because everybody's diving into Black Friday a lot more than than other years. And I think the reason is is because a lot of the big brands have had um you know that they've not been hitting the targets that they they wanted to to hit because they you know they they went through COVID they had these really big um, targets they wanted to stay up where they were and they they projected 
these kind of huge targets. And so everybody's kind of like been hoping that this Black Friday um, holiday season is kind of like the get out of jail um, card where you, you make up the numbers. And yes, it's going to be good. But I think people are chasing it very hard to try and hit their, their, their numbers and probably trying to get more out of Black Friday than probably that, that, that is there. And that is pushing up the, um, the cost per impression and things like that in, in, in ad places like Facebook. Yeah. And so you, you have to be careful not to get yourself in a hole. And to be honest, I have seen this for this particular brand a couple of years ago as well uh, during Black Friday. And I just, I just sat it out. I just said, look, this is, you know, I can't, there's no point selling. I know that as soon as, as soon as people kind of come off these sales for these couple of weeks, I'll be back in and I'll be able to get my cost per sale that I need to sit at. Um, and it should be fine. And it didn't have any damp detrimental um, impact on that brand. You, know, you, you see that with, um, you know, business to business brands as well and things like that. And they just, there's just times when they just, it's just silly because you're, you're competing in the auctions against people who are, you know, going, going and grabbing, all, all the traffic for the Black Friday sales. So, yeah, I think we're um, it's good. Um, sales are, are good. People are making more money the, the in, in Black Friday than than they've been doing in, re, in recent months, and it is still working. But it's not like it's not like this kind of like magic, you know, you know, like kind of slot machine. You're pulling down the lever, and it's like bing, 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 bing. It's not it's not as like that. It seems like you're having to work a bit harder for it. What what about oh, I your think, side? I think. <clears throat> Well, yeah, I've been I've been listening merrily to your um, your interpretation, um, which which are my thoughts too. I think generally everybody has been discounting a lot more heavily this year, um, and I think Black Friday is really just an extension of it. So you know, even even the businesses that weren't discounting much during the year. I've gone into Black Friday a bit earlier, so I think somebody said this morning that John Lewis went launched the Black Friday. John Lewis is a big department store in the UK. At one stage, was I think the sixth biggest e-commerce store in the UK. I don't know if that's true anymore, but it's a big, a big store that accounts for quite a lot of the traffic. And they went into um, uh, Black Friday for the whole of November, uh, which is what our advice was to everyone that was listening to this. We said go in early. So that you don't get lost in, um, you know, as the activity around Black Friday starts to increase, that you, you know, you're just going to get lost because otherwise, like what's happened, the cost per acquisition goes up because cost per click goes up, everyone starts piling in to it. Um, so you know, people have spread it out, um, and um, but yeah, I think generally we were we were all hoping that we were going to make up for a fairly average year of e-com um in the last quarter so it is an important couple of months so it, but despite that it, you know it, it generally for the brands that i've been looking after it's been it's been pretty pretty good pretty healthy um and i would say to everybody go as hard as you can um to make a customer acquisition is cheap because it be it will be cheap to recruit customers. So you should be looking at your paid budget. If you if this was a time to put your paid budget up and to experiment with ROAS and take it down to a low point, I would be doing that now. Um, yeah. But obviously, like Mark says, don't get to the point where you you know you you're absolutely you know killing your profitability because you're trying to claw back claw back the same sales you 
or the same percentage growth you did previous year. Yeah. And the only think... reason why the brand, I'll just finish off the brand that we were talking about before that we uh, thought we were going to do 400 K this month. I mean, that's grown at a very, very big rate because it was uh, last year was its first year. So obviously it's going to grow. Obviously we want to, we want to treble it, mm. um, you know, because you know, we're the Hammersley brothers. You know, we want to sit back and have a comfortable 10% growth. We want, Hundred percent. So you know, but it isn't the case if you've got a much more mature brand. No, you know, you no, and, and massive, massive growth. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I think you just it's just it's just playing the game. It, it is it is a little bit difficult knowing exactly what to spend in the run up to the weekend because a lot of this has gone early, and you know, like the weekends like we had our you know, the first first weekend of November we went live with for that brand with a with an email we did have a record day and then the weekend after on the saturday we had another record day so um is is it going to be bigger than that on black friday fingers crossed i hope it is um but it's difficult knowing exactly what to spend i feel like i'm spending on the cusp of what i should be spending on um but ad costs are are higher and uh you've got to be careful and i think that you know, straight after Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you're going to have a couple of days of a lull, and you've got to make sure you kind of bring your budgets down there because you just get Google will take the money and it'll slam you. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's it's just kind of being reading the market. I think um, we've got we've got some questions from from some of the listeners. Some of them nice and easy. Some of them aren't. <laughs> but we picked some of the easy ones. Um, we've got about half an hour to go through some of them. It's a long time. You, yeah. You've got enough time, Mark. I have. I've got till got till have nine. You? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right then. Um, and so the first one was from uh, Tony Walker, and they say, "Can sustainability be your core message, or should it support your fundamental USPs?" Um, Sorry, I think you said you <clears throat> you mumbled the word sustainability then. Okay, can sustainability feature the core? It's the same as I can't say the word statistics very well. I I, I had to read that in my in our book when I did the audio book that caused me so much so much pain. So, so so can what was the question? Can sustainability be be your core message? No. Or should it support my opinion? the USPs? Yeah. I don't think, I think it's a no. My opinion. Yeah. But shoot me down. I controversially say I think that's a secondary and in some respects it's a given. And um, is it enough to steal market share? You know, is, and and the, mm-hmm. I think the, the question to ask yourself, because obviously it will depend on different businesses, but the question to ask yourself is, are we getting this appearing in our anxiety analysis so in the reviews when you look at your reviews are you are you getting people raving about it over and over and over and over again and on the flip side are they moaning about it and when they give negative reviews are they are they mentioning sustainability over and over and over again how often does it feature as a percentage of good and bad and that gives you an idea in my opinion whether or not that is a core I think it Value. depends. I think it depends. And I think it depends on how big you want to get it. I think in, in some markets, 
there is a consumer who will look out for something who's sustainable and they'll buy it like plastic three there's like pl people who do plastic free, uh, free follow and they buy brands for that um you know some 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 brands have grown in you know like eco store in new zealand have kind of grown uh, as yeah. a more sustainable brand but the the trouble with the brands if you're going to like a main market and there was a was a very big clothing store or it was trying to be very big and they were very well known for being sustainable and they did lots of fashion shows and collaborated with lots of famous people and we were working with them and they were leading with sustainability and fair trade and things like that and it, it wasn't enough to go big um so sustainability will get you so far with a certain audience but it's very difficult to scale that bigger than anything else so like if you're selling you know like like washing up liquid like some people will buy it because it's sustainable but if you want to go <clears throat> big across the whole market it has to be as good or if not better than the the products you're replacing mm -hmm. you know this is the, the typical thing yeah. is, is, is testing I, isn't it so, you know, i think it also lead. what well tesla well, don't lead on they don't lead on a an electric car, the, no, the, the, the no. fastest production car the in the world. Fastest production car, and it's got a Netflix in it. Yeah, exactly. And it drives itself. I think. Um, I think it's also you have to look at how easy it is to copy because I think, you know, sometimes the sustainability angle in a certain market has a shelf life because of a competitive advantage. Because actually, it's quite easy to copy it, and also people don't necessarily know. When you're saying, so we're working with a company at the moment that's selling sustainable shoes. And, you know, we were looking at all the competitors online and it's like loads of them are saying, yeah, well, you know, the world's first sustainable X, Y, Z. It's got this. And actually they were saying, well, you know, that's absolute rubbish. It isn't. It's, it's using plastic this, plastic that. It isn't. But the customer doesn't necessarily know and can see the wood for the trees. They, 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 they almost... You know, if you go into the production, it's it's actually difficult for them to know whether or not it's a genuine claim or not. So I think it's it's a fairly um, easy thing to copy as well. And there's a lot of businesses who are saying, you know, um, you know, carbon-free footprint, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah. I think you're hearing it all the time. So my well, opinion, like... I mean, there are certain businesses I think you're saying it's like if you try to take on the core market and that is your only differentiator um, and and the core job to be done isn't that it's a sustainable product. It's, it's for something else, like it's um, amazing quality or it's beautiful design or it's, um, you know, it's convincibility. It's, it's, you know, I think it's going to be, it, does, it has to be a secondary. Yeah. And I think a lot of the a lot of the the markets are, are quite saturated with that. There's some of the messages I'm thinking of, like skincare. Yeah. And and you know when skincare came out, maybe like ten years ago, like maybe five years ago on, online, and people started saying, you know, we're natural products, natural ingredients, and we do all that kind of stuff. And you like when it first came out, people were like, oh gosh, thank thank God, a, a natural product, and it and it and that was enough. But now every single skincare new brand that's coming out is yeah. saying that we only use natural ingredients, and it's, it's not enough to you could, distinguish. Um, it's you could say the same thing about animal testing. Actually, you know, animal mm -hmm. testing was a huge thing, wasn't it? That came, mm -hmm. you know, big marketing campaign yeah. came out. I mean, probably in the nineties, and then and now, like if you know, like it's a given, isn't it? I mean, Mark and I, just to be very clear, we're not saying 
you know, it's it's a it's a bad thing or a good thing. Obviously, it's a good thing to be sustainable. So I got it. I couldn't say it then. It is quite hard to say, isn't it? Mm. Sustainable. But um, we're just thinking about: does it cut through the noise of the market of the market, and will it allow you to steal market share? And I think the best thing to do to answer that question, whether or not it is a market leading um, market share beta, is to look at the reviews in your industry mm. and look at how often sustainability yeah, comes, comes up, up in the reviews because that's the biggest test because it's also people who have bought not people mm. talking about an industry it's people who've bought actually put the put the hand in the pocket and pay with cash and that's a very different type of customer and that's who i i always want to know people who actually mm. bought so have a look at that and then that'll answer the question for you um, the next question is from Rob Wilkinson, um, who says, what are the best things you've seen brands include with orders that have resulted in more sales, customer loyalty, offer cards, refer a friend, freebies, etc." So effectively, that is what we talk about getting the second sale. So we have done a podcast on getting the second sale. And I've just I'm just, re- just updating the, um, the book for 2024 and doing a new edition. Um, and I've just put that in. Getting That's exciting. Well. You didn't, didn't tell me you were doing that. I know. It's already gone from about it's 160 pages to about 200 and something pages with all the new stuff in it. So it's going to be a bit That's of a cool. big... When's it coming book. out? No promises. on Because I going to have to get it all formatted and stuff like that. Because I've done it in Word and I've messed it all up. Um, Obviously, so. I need to uh, add my opinions in it too. Yeah. Maybe you should you read it one last day. time. Well, I think I wrote one page and um, I then claimed that I'd written the whole book. I'm joking. Obviously, I was instrumental in the uh, production of the book. Well, it did start, the book <laughs> did start off, it did start off based on your presentation that you did as a keynote. That's where it started. You so it was you from your stuff. I'll um, take it. That's not... Anyway, so, so getting get a second sale. Yeah, this this guy, I yeah. think he sells, he does sell, he sells gift stuff, I mean, for people who like Everton. Uh, I think that's right. Um, yeah. And so, so... Can I just give you my take on this before you, yeah. before you give yours? Um, I would say that you've probably heard people talking about um, critical non-essentials, where you put something in the packet that automatically makes, oh, wow, like, like a pack, a pot, you know, a bag of gummy bears or you know, something free that makes mm. them um, stand out. The, the reality is what you're trying to do is get them to buy again. And the reason you're trying to get them to buy again is because if you can get them to buy for a second or third or fourth time, you don't have to pay to acquire them on Google or Meta, which is very expensive. And so the, the alternative, if you don't get them to buy a second time, is you'll only be able to grow by acquiring new customers and paying for the advertising every single time. So you have to think about what is the cost of acquisition. So let's say it's $20 or £20 to acquire a new customer through Google. You have to think, well, well, what am I willing to give a new customer in terms of an incentive that's cheaper 
than relying upon acquiring new customers through Google and Facebook for £20. So actually, as long as it's cheaper than that, you can offer them normally something that is quite attractive. So that's why we do the second sale. So we, we, have, we have used the words before, throw the kitchen sink at them, because you'd rather give money back to the customer who's purchased rather than giving it back to Google and Facebook. So generally, I would say be quite generous. And I, and I, and I think you have to be a little bit more strategic than, than you know, saying it's just, just down to you know, a, a, a critical non-essential like a bag of gummy bears. So I'd be looking at incentivizing them specifically to get the second sale, and um, and I, I'd be putting my, I'd put my hand in my wallet in my wallet, and I'd be giving them a a monetary based incentive that's time bound that I then use to trigger um, over a six week period. That they, and the, the the trick to it is making sure that they feel like they've earned it, that they that it is their money that is that we are going to take away from them in three months time or whenever we want to trigger the next sale and it's very important for them to feel like it's it's their money that they've owned so if i was going to your so wallet the fear, take out, of fear of loss the fear of loss if i was going to take out five dollars <throat> or ten dollars out of your wallet you would feel annoyed and that that's very different than if i give you ten dollars um things that we have that we think we have, that we believe we have, that are going to be taken away from us are enough of a motivation for people just to just go and check to see, I wonder if there is something else I'd want. And really that's what we're trying to get them to do. Um, mm. I, I do, I still am a big fan of, of, of making sure that the first purchase is a delight, you know, that the delight in the first purchase because it, it has a big impact yes. to whether they'll, 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 they'll um, buy again. You know, you've got to be careful with, businesses like Rob's where it's a gift business like sometimes then maybe not buy again but if people do buy again and you can see that then obviously increasing the delight on the first purchase will mean that you probably get a next purchase so you know like if I was selling supplements first time purchases I might upgrade their delivery to be to get it quicker so that they feel like everything they buy from us is going to is going to come super quickly um I've seen other people do that with me as a consumer and still works, even though the, the other purchases don't seem to come as quick. Um, and, you know, contact lenses, I still buy from the You're same saying on the first people. one? Yeah, that's You're the first one. For new, yeah, for brand new customers that you've acquired for the first time, you can upgrade their delivery. Yeah. Um, like, to next there's a, day. There's a, there's a company and tell here. Them. Yeah. You there's a company that? here that, that called Health Post, though, I worked with a while ago. It's one guy by a guy called Abel, Abel Butler. And I don't know whether they do this on purpose, but the first time I bought from them, literally it was, it was there the next day before I even thought about it. And I bought from them since, and it, it seems to take just a normal time for everything else. But in my mind, I still think, oh, I'll get it from Health Post because it's quick. And it still yeah. sticks. And it still sticks. So, you know, what you do for that first experience is, is, is how people we're – so, we're so biased as human to the first experience. Um, mm -hmm. because we kind of go, we make a first experience and that's where we go. It's like when you go to a, when I used to be at university, go to a lecture theater and I'd go and sit in a, you know, the first time I got there and says, where do I want to sit? And I'd go, oh, I'll sit there. And the next time I went in, then you go and sit in the same place over and over again because your brain doesn't want to make the decision again. It doesn't want to make the decision. Is 
Health Post a good place to buy from. It's because I've made that decision. That's my people I buy that from. You know, unless something and changes. Why, and why change? And why, yeah, why mm. change the decision? You know what, though? With generally, with lifetime customer value, unfortunately, the biggest determination of lifetime customer value is the products that you sell. Yeah. You know, so if, you're, so if you are a gifting business and you're trying to get them to buy another gift in, you know, six weeks' time, you're going to find it possibly a little bit harder than someone who's selling contact lenses or, um, you know, supplements mm. because it is more naturally, um, a more natural life, you know, higher life to customer value is a bit higher, isn't it? So generally speaking, I would say also, obviously you have to delight. Um, I think also the, the, you know, the, the first email that you get as a new, as a new customer saying, welcome to us, our brand. We're so proud to have you here. When we talked about the thank you campaign in Facebook that we've seen before as well, where you, mm. you know, you have a little video of, of people in the warehouse and like setting off party poppers and, you know, so excited they got your order and all mm. that kind of stuff. And that's kind of a nice little, nice little thing to so, go. The next question is, um, um, Nadia Jones, and she's saying, well, what's the best way to get your brand messaging and purpose across your website? So that's something we teach called um, convincibility, convincibility, tree. convincibility <laughs> tree, which is going to be hard well, just to talk about on a, <clears throat> on, a po- on a podcast. But it's basically your, um, your brand messaging at the top, and then it's, um, it's an authority in the market quote backing that up and then t- customer testimonials backing up those um uh, that that statement so the brand messaging our job as e-commerce owners is to bring that brand messaging down into something that can be communicated in a very quick and easy way so people can understand it and ultimately that's what we're trying to do and so a way to explain it is if you think about why do so many big brands and so many political parties and other uh, things that are trying to convince you of something have taglines. And the reason they have taglines is because they have condensed their brand message down into three or four words or a short sentence. And that is where the magic happens if you can kind of condense it down into something that you can communicate very quickly because you've got to have something that a customer cares about you've got to have something that you can prove and you've got to have something that you can communicate quickly and those three things when they come together come into your brand messaging so if you're thinking oh i've got all these things i could possibly talk about my brand and i need to communicate them effectively Ooh, maybe I've got a, a banner on the homepage and I could have a cascading banner and have six ones and I could talk about each different brand message and reason to buy from us on the homepage. You're thinking about it wrong because the cust- you haven't done the work for the customer to explain in a very quick way why they should buy from you and why and what your value proposition is. And um, that is as complicated as it is and as simple as it is. So mm-hmm. it is a very simple thing to do once you've done it. But it can be very complicated getting there. But ultimately, that is really what we are trying to do. And you'll see that brands who've been able to articulate those three things 
the you know something customer cares about, something that we can communicate quickly, and something we can prove into a short statement, and then back that up and prove that statement on the website. Those are the ones that are going to scale. And, and so, can I, my, can I my take to this? So I think I think actually the convincibility tree in the process that Mark just said um, starts off with that strap line or tagline you know that, uh, that that sits alongside the logo but actually i would think about it in terms of the entire business because it can't just be our tagline at the top it then once you've understood what it is what the positioning is and you've got you've got your third party testimonial and all your testimonial backing up that positioning it then oozes itself out of every orifice of the business you know of the, the imagery the copy i know it is the, the meta advertising, the email that you're doing, um, you know, all of the uh, welcome flows, the data catch, everything then is is supported that position. Everything starts to make sense. And the and I would say, of all the work that you and I, Mark, have been doing, it seems to be in the last probably year, we're doing an awful amount of getting the positioning right before we yeah. then go and look at to basket and basket to check out and check out to order and average order value we're doing we're doing that because we know that and my, my opinion is that going back sorry this is a slightly long-winded story but go back in the history of retail where you were you know had a, had a store in a town that was selling um it was a toy shop and you sold toys in your town now you had a captive market and, you know, you really didn't need to worry about competition because you were in this town. There was no other toy shops in the town. You knew, you know, that was it. That was how you differentiated yourself. Online came along and by sheer nature of getting online and selling online first was all you needed to do. That was the strategy. Who could get online and sell toys first? That was it. Then the website became awful and competitors started to come along with better websites and it would make you know the old the, you know the first person online like it wasn't enough anymore now technology's come along to make it so easy to get online that everybody's going online selling toys online it is no longer a technological race and who can make the slickest ui and the easiest process because that's kind of everybody's got it now the race is who can position their brand effectively to to steal market share and i think mm. it is about positioning i think that is that is now the new race of ecom yeah and the simplification of it the simpler you can make it the more effective that you can communicate it the more you can amplify it across the brand the better so if you're sitting there and you're thinking well i've got all these 10 reasons why people will buy from me you haven't done the you haven't done the work yet to to distill it down into something that 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 you can sell it yeah. and and that's the most important thing probably got time for one more in the last five minutes so let's see which ones can you pick one on i think you should pick one on target setting for next year there isn't one on target can setting you for next year. make one up No, because we'll do a whole podcast, I think, on, on that. Okay, oh, right. we'll do one on that, because I've, I've been having some really interesting um, discussions last week about yeah. target segment next year. So let's do that next week. Okay, 
Um, so Ryan's saying how to best minim minimize returns. Um, and that's, that's an interesting yeah. question because like in each business, in each kind of market, there'll be a, a, there'll be a specific returns rate that tends to be typical for the market. Like women's clothing is a lot higher than men's clothing and, you know, um, certain products just tend to have very low returns rates and, and, or, or, or even negligible. Um, you can like sometimes offering free returns, um, doesn't give you as much of a boost as, as you think. You just say easy, hassle-free returns, and when they actually come to have to pay for, to pay for postage back, there's a little bit of friction there, and it massively reduces the amount of returns that, that come that come through. So yeah. you've got to work out what the benefit of free returns is. Um, obviously, if you're selling shoes and things like that, you probably want free returns <clears> because the friction there is like, what happens if it goes wrong? Um, the other thing is to you know if you've got if you've got a bad returns rate, then um, understand what the issues are that, that are being returned, categorize them a bit like you do with the, re the review mining and see whether you can mitigate any of those. Like if you're, you're doing like personalized calendars and everybody's sending them back because um, you're spelling the name wrong or something like that, then put a step in the process to make sure that that's checked yeah. and signed off before, before you, before it happens. Um, but you know, there's other things you can do to. Well, let me. Can I? Can I give you? Yeah. Can I give you my? Can I give you my? I'm going to come in with my opinion here. Do it. So there is an assumption with that question that returns are bad. Okay, the returns are a negative thing, which you know, in as a short term perspective, obviously yes, because they erode margin because they you know we've paid for the cost of acquisition, had to send it back. It's a bloody disaster. First thing I'd say is. You touched on it before. What is the average return percentage in my industry? Because yeah. if the customers are behaving a certain way, and that is how it is expected in your industry, you've got to go with the flow. So you, you know, if you know the fashion returns rate on average was forty percent, men's used to be twenty percent. Mm. Um, so you've got to see where you are against that, um, and and because we've seen spectacular gains in the last 10 years around the returns policy and the guarantees that we've been offering um so sometimes being more generous with your returns policy will increase your returns a little bit but mm. as an overall contribution to the business it can make a massive difference you've got to look at it as a perspective as what have i spent on advertising this month what has my overall revenue be for new customer acquisition and see actually by being very generous with returns does it have a, have a greater impact on the business but i would say obviously from your perspective yeah you need to you need to track the returns why are people returning is it something you know is it sizing is it delivery is it color is it, it i ordered the wrong thing is it it didn't arrive on time and see whether or not you can mitigate that by making it clearer and more obvious. There was someone in the 20K core that was posting the other about a while ago, and I just remembered it. And what she did is she she offered them a credit note or a return when they came through, and she she gave them a, a slightly higher credit note than it was worth as an incentive yeah. to go for a credit note instead of a return. So it's like saying you bought something for 100 pounds, you can return it, get 100 pounds, or you can get a credit note for 110 or 150 or something that like that. Is such a, that is such a good idea. Because isn't it? obviously 
people might you know abuse it but most people don't because they don't know about it but it's like well how much does a return cost how much you're going to lo- lose in the return compared to actually yeah. giving them a credit note and so again giving them customers some of that loss instead of taking a whole loss you give them a little bit to to encourage them to get something else and uh, that was she made she found that that was um that was a lot lot yeah. lot better um yeah than uh, you know so kind of like you, you've got to create the systems of incentives to do pe- to make people do what what you want and um you've got the control over that um so yeah so that, that could be quite good anyway i've, I've got a shoot Ian. i've got a shoot so thank you, you very much i could Ian. tell you would you know i said some it's really interesting things there and normally you say oh wow Ian, that's so insightful you just you just moved on to the next question yeah you didn't sorry. even didn't even respond like yeah. some sort of you know, militant interviewer that's not allowed to give their reaction. Just yeah. They just ask the next question. <laughs> All right. Well, well have thank a good you. Week. Thanks, Mark. Have a good week, and uh, probably speak to you later anyway when I'm. Uh, yeah. When you're Enjoy your gym session. Yeah. Thank Cheerio. you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye. Cheerio.